welcome this, this weekend or wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, in your car, on your couch, in your bed, in your kitchen. We're thrilled to have you with us. And as most of you know, we've been on a month-long tour traveling through people's hearts and their homes dealing with the family. And I told you this weekend we were going to be dealing with blended families. And that message is done, and that is, I'm going to do that message, uh, but we're not going to do it this weekend in the light of George Floyd and all that's going on in our nation. Michelle and I have agonized over what we need to do and how God needs to open our eyes. And so, uh, man, the last 10 days have been a journey. And so when we think about rooms, which is what this series has been, how can we make room in our hearts and our homes if some people are not welcome inside? So by now, obviously, everybody in the world has heard of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Some of you have heard of Breonna Taylor in Kentucky, others Ahmaud Aubrey down in Georgia. These are just some of the recent injustices that have happened. And let me tell you, our God has got a justice and Christians, people that follow Jesus, cannot be sidelined when atrocities are happening or injustice is happening. So what's gone on of this last week and a half has considered us, forced us to consider racism and prejudice and the history and what's going on. It's really sad that it takes blood in the streets and smoke rising out of our cities to wake us up or make us say, what's going on? So we all have a perspective. And if we could be honest, come on, raw and real. If we could be honest, so few of us actively try to see things from, the, from other people's perspective. And I just was working on these notes and saying, why, God, why don't we ask people? Why don't we talk people that don't look like us or are from the same place we are? Because I think that most of us believe that we understand the problem and we know everything, we know how everybody feels, and we think we're right, so I really don't need to listen or learn or grow or step out and have some conversations and find out how people really free, really feel. But the truth is, come on somebody, if you haven't walked through the barnyard, you simply don't know what the poop smells like. It's just, I mean, you, got, you can say I know, but if you haven't walked through, you simply don't know. So I decided to have a little conversation this weekend with a couple incredible men of God, with people that are friends, they're my friends, mine and Michelle, they're friends of Faith Promise. So if you were live, there would be a standing ovation. But listen, I'm gonna, I want you to welcome, even at home, two of my great friends, Halloran Hilton Hill, a radio talk show, recording artist. The guy's got a litany, man. This guy's incredible. Not only that, but he's a, one of the best-dressed guys in Knoxville. I mean, the man is fresh, brother. Look at him. I actually had a white T-shirt on the way to church, and my family said, you're not, you're not wearing that. I said, well, it looks good. And they said, do you know what Halloran's going to be wearing? You're going to look. Man, you got to do better. And then Keith Gray, we know him as one of our elders, chief medical officer, and more than that, he's just a friend. He and Kayla, man, I love these guys. So welcome so much. It's great to see you. Now, let me ask you a question. Let me, let me ask you a question. What color is this? Now, it's not a trick question, but, but what color is that? Come on, somebody. Let me hear you at home. Come on. That's right. It's blue. 
Halloran, Keith, what color is that? Orange. That's orange. Orange, UT orange. Orange, UT orange. Does that look like UT orange to y'all? You see, the problem is perspective. If you're sitting where they're sitting, it's orange. If you're sitting where you're sitting, it's blue. And so what we want to do this weekend is stop and listen and learn and have some compassion and care and listen to how people feel and what's going on. Because if we're going to deal with racism and we're going to have conversation, it requires a relationship. Are y'all with me? And so it's just, it's so important. So that's why I invited these men. I respect these men. Uh, they love Jesus. They love their families. And so they love this church. Halloran speaks here pretty regularly, not regularly enough, but, and, uh, and Keith is no stranger to this stage. So uh, Halloran, I'm going to pitch it to you first. What would, what would you say to our black brothers about processing all that's going on in the culture today? Um, well, I, first of all, I want to say thank you for, for inviting us to be here today, and thank you for being courageous to, uh, as a man of God and as a man of faith, to embrace, you know, what could be a difficult conversation. Um, I would say it's okay to process. Um, I, I truly believe that, that God gives us, if, if you... If you read the Psalms, you see a God who gives plenty of space for David to say, what in the world is going on? And he loves him as he's processing or reconciling his life as it is turned upside down. As David is, is dealing with his enemies, as David is dealing with what seems like uh, an advance that's coming against him. And he is, God is so okay with his vulnerability as he processes it. So I, I would say to anybody, um, to my brothers and sisters, and all of you are my brothers and sisters, that there is space, right, for you to process and that, that there is grace for that. Keith? So first of all, I, I, I too want to say thank you for just thinking that I'm qualified to even offer an opinion on this, on this topic. Um, but as far as processing this, I, I can only talk about things that, that I've lived through. And, and as I've processed this over the last two weeks, as we've shared, you and I, uh, prior to this, I wasn't surprised. And then I was sad, sad that we're still having this conversation about these types of topics that have come up related to this, whether it's racism or prejudice or whatever it is. And we don't know those things to be true, but that's what the conversation has been, that we're still having that conversation in the 21st century, specifically in 2020, um, I was disappointed that um, that could have been my brothers, that could have been my son. But then quickly that turned into what will be my response going forward. And so I've tried to process what is my action item? How will I make a change based on what I saw? And how will that help me empathize for others that have been potentially discriminated against that don't look like me. Gotcha. Were you in the conversation when I called you to ask you about how you felt, you and Kayla, how you were doing? And one of the things that you said was that really bothered you, and you have 5,200 employees, and that I was only the second person that asked you, how, did, how did, you, did you feel after the whole George Floyd 
Well, you know, as I said, with those 5,200 folks, um, we do life together. I spend more time at UT Medical Center than I spend with my family. And I would consider the folks at UT Medical Center my family as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I, when I hurt, they hurt. When they hurt, I hurt. And so after we had that conversation, since then I've had so many people reach out to me. And so I say that to say, I think they were trying to process it as well. That's good. Because, you know, in that first week, none of us knew what to do. And the first person that came to me, the, the preamble to the discussion was, I don't really know what to say. I don't really know what you're going through. I don't really know how this, that, this has impacted you, but I'm sorry this has happened. And that was very powerful to me. Like mm -hmm. Halloran said, you don't really know what to say. I haven't, a lot of people haven't been through this before, uh, but the fact that they would be willing to acknowledge that uh, I may be distressed was, was helpful. I had another, and I'll end with this, I had another colleague yesterday uh, that asked me, uh, would it be appropriate for us to demonstrate? And I said, I think there may, there may be a more appropriate way for you to respond. I said, how about your response be you and I have a conversation? And I asked her, what, I said, what's troubling you? And she said, when I saw that gentleman, she said, it troubled me because I thought that could have been you. That's powerful to me. Oh, that's so good. So, yes, but I think they didn't respond initially, but I think they needed time to process too. Helen, mm -hmm. what would you say to, <clears throat> and I don't like an us or them, it's, it's a we, but what would you say to white, your white brothers and sisters who, who don't understand, don't get it, and are trying to, re that really are trying to process it? Uh, what, what, what would you say that we need to do? Well, um, I guess the first thing that I would, I would say is if you are leaning in at all, great job, to have the courage to look and to listen is, is huge, right? Um, I don't have any white friends, black friends, brown friends, yellow friends. As I said to you before, um, I think if you declare that Keith is my black friend, you haven't made it to the level of true friendship yet, right? Friendship really does move past color and culture. It doesn't erase it, it doesn't make you blind to it, but it changes what it means to you. And friend in the hierarchy, friend is up here and then everything else kind of comes down here. So I would say to my brothers and sisters, first I'm gonna peel the white off of it, because our father means, if, if the Lord's prayer starts with our father, then that means I'm your brother, right? Mm -hmm. By the decree of God, I'm your brother. That's not just my feeling, that's a fact. And so I'm gonna say to, to everybody that's listening right now, listen, listen. Don't, uh, what does James say? Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath or slow to anger because you need a little space. As I told you, uh, you always are setting yourself up for an accident when you're hitting the brake when you should be hitting the gas and hitting the gas when you should be hitting the brake. And this is a time when we need to, to bear up with each other. We need to literally pump the brakes. Pump being an acronym, uh, acronym for 
pursue understanding so that we can make peace. Mm, that's good. That's so good. So good. I, you know, what, what? really one of my goals for this weekend is people to, to get out of their skin and out of their background because the law of Jesus is to bear one another's burdens. And so bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. But I can't bear a burden that I can't comprehend. Right. So I can't, even though I want to be colorblind, and, and Keith is not my black friend. Keith Caleb just, man, this is my friend. Right. I would, I mean, I have four o'clock in the morning. I have a problem. I call Keith regularly. Hey, I got an issue, man. Can you fix right. this? Can you help me? Can you do something? Uh, so how, how do we process the pain, really, that the country's going through, people? Right. Um, well, I, I think that that study that they did where um, they had a person go sit in a room and they he put his foot in a bucket of ice then they timed how long you could take the pain. And what they found is if you had one other person in there with you, you could take the pain twice as long. As, as long. So I think being present with people through their pain, just being present, just moving past your, your reflexive reaction, which is let's just make this go away real quick. Let's just, let's get, come on, let's, let's get this, what if, what if Keith just needs you to sit on the back porch with him and just hear him? Just hear him till you feel him. I mean, I think that's part of what, we, what it means to bear one another's burden is to be present with it, even when you don't understand it, just to go. A friend of mine, um, he lost his mother this morning, and I called him. And, I, and, and this guy's the most cheerful, wonderful guy. And, and, and all of the years I've known this guy, and I've known him 40 years, I've never heard him cry, ever, ever, ever. And he's the kind of guy, when, if you tell him, my mother, he'd be very encouraging. But you could tell he didn't understand. Today, he understood, right? And today, he didn't need to tell him, me to tell him anything. He just needed me to be on the other end of the phone listening to him cry. I want, I, want, I want to jump in there and talk about that interrelatedness that you're, that you're talking about. Pastor Chris has said that, you know, he's called me recently and, and he calls me early and say, I need, I need help with this, I need help with this. But what he didn't say is he did that thing that you were just talking about. He allowed me to come to him five and ten years ago and just sit and I needed for him to listen to me. He didn't offer a solution. He just let me talk it out when I was depressed and I was on the ledge and he pulled me back from the ledge. My point is, he wouldn't be the best he could be if he hadn't intervened and helped me be the best that I can be. So the message to the country is, we can never be our best until all of us have the opportunity mm. to be our best. I'm a surgeon and the body's made up of all these systems and all these organs and they're interrelated. We spend trillions of dollars going after one section of disease because we know if we don't eradicate that disease it has the potential to impact the whole body the pancreas may not have an issue the kidney may not have an issue but we know if we don't get that heart working we don't get those lung working and we don't get that thyroid working it will de destroy the whole body it's the same thing with the body of Christ it's the same thing with America if we don't go after the least of these we will never have an opportunity to be our best mm. So and, good. and I think we don't need to miss this moment right here, which is this. You are modeling what it looks like. That's right. 
That's right. So, so for, for the promisers here to see their leader and their pastor engaging in deep, meaningful, authentic conversation, it says, A, that it's possible, and it happens here. That's right. That's good. It happens in East Tennessee. It can happen here. You can grow a multicultural, rich, deep ministry here in the midst of all of this. People need to see that. They need to go, well, if Pastor Chris can do that, what about this person I work with? Yeah, it's so good. Thank you, Keller. My wife was driving home this week, and we've had some pretty tearful conversations over all this. And uh, she came home, and she said, you, you got to use this quote from Triple H. Literally, she pulled, I told you, she pulled on the side of the road in your, in your radio talk show. This is what you said. You said, different perspectives about the problem, different perspectives on the solution. And it's the, you know, if you fix the heart, but the lungs are bad, the person's going to die. Right. And we need, we need different perspectives. We don't, you know, we don't need a black perspective or white. We just need all these perspectives. I, uh, that quote actually is attributed to Einstein who said, if, if you give me an hour, I'm going to spend 55 minutes on the question, the problem, and five minutes on the solution. Because if we're not in agreement and alignment on what the problem really is, we're solving for two different things. You know, you're solving for blue while I'm solving for orange, mm -hmm. when really it's a piece of paper. That's right. Keith, and again, this is, a, I, I, this is what, when I got off the phone with you the other day, that I, I, mean, I was weeping when I walked in the kitchen with Michelle. But you told me a story, and you live, we, we're, we've been neighbors for a long time. I, I've just moved, but you, you talked about being pulled over in Hardin Valley and how you felt during that time. So, um, as Pastor Chris said, we're, we're neighbors, and, and I, follow the same, I'm a creature of habit, so I take the same route to work every day. And I come through a school zone every day for folks that live in Hardin Valley. And I got pulled over in the Food City, which is right outside the school zone. And, and you know, those, the blue lights probably elicit fear for everyone, what, regardless of what color you are. But I guess you, what you're talking about is what happened next. Um, I've been conditioned, probably is the right word, things to do and things not to do when you're pulled over. And so when I was pulled over in the Food City, waiting for the officer to approach my car, I kept my hands on the steering wheel. I didn't reach for my registration. I didn't reach for my license. I didn't reach for anything. And, and, and when, you know, the officer arrived, I made sure he could see my hands, and I rolled down the window, and I said, and he said, do you know why I stopped you? And I said, no, sir. And he said, you were, uh, this is a school zone. I said, yes, sir, it's 20 miles an hour. And I said, how fast was I, was I going? And he said, I'm not sure, but it was faster than 20. And I said, yes, sir. Um, but the part of that story, I didn't tell you. So the part that we're trying to pull from this, and if I stopped there, you would say, see, it happens to all black people. But what, I, what my response would be in this time of reconciliation would be, not all officers are bad. Because he didn't give me a ticket. He just said, slow it down. Uh, just be aware that you're in a school zone. And he let me go. I had been so conditioned to think about the worst possible scenario and those five words that nobody wants to hear especially an african-american man please step out of the car nobody wants to hear that but i didn't hear that that day and so 
what I would say to end that story is we've got to start to not make assumptions about people based on the prejudices, the biases that we've been taught by others that we see in the media. We've got to start to make assumptions on the relationships that we have with people. If we spend more time with people, then we make less assumptions. We base our actions on things that we know, not things that we assume. Mm, that's good. I talked to one of our sheriff's deputies last week, and, and he was furious when he saw the video of George Floyd. Furious. He's, and, and he said, nobody hates a bad cop worse than a good cop. And there are lots of incredible police officers. But he said it paints us all in a bad light. He was absolutely furious. He and his family attend Faith Promise Church. Um, man, I, I love you guys. Um, how and what, have you got anything else? Do, as a matter of fact, we got, we got a few minutes. Earlier you talked about the three levels of listening. Mm. So good. Yeah, I, I think... Martin Luther King Jr. said, protest is the language of the unheard or people who feel like they, they haven't been heard. And I think that's, I, I see that as a huge problem is we don't really listen to each other. Dr. Mark Goldston has a book called Just Listen and uh, he's an expert at negotiation and he said there are three levels at which a person is listened to, the way you feel. So if you and I are sitting here talking, if I'm sitting here and I'm listening just to figure you out, to size you up, to judge you, to evaluate you, you, you can feel that energy, doesn't feel good. The next level up is if I'm listening to understand. Covey said, seek first to understand before you're understood. That's a different level and it, it changes the temperature. But then the third and platinum level is when you feel felt. You run a large ministry, you probably can sit down with somebody else that runs a large ministry and you could tell them, you know, in five minutes what's going on and the way they look at you, it's like, I know exactly what you're dealing with. I feel you. He says that when people feel felt, there's the space to negotiate or reconcile anything. And I think what's happening in America on all sides of this issue is people don't feel felt. First of all, black people don't feel felt. I, I was amazed at, at my response to what I saw, how numb I was, because I didn't, I have down converted and dumbed down my expectation. I don't, I just didn't believe anybody would care. Like, I, I didn't believe anybody would give, we're a church. I didn't think anybody would give a, a good dag nabbit about it. And that hurt me <laughs> that I had dumbed myself down for survival's sake. I don't expect people to care about me. I just don't. I'm just like, you, that. But then I know that when people hear, if they feel as though, a finger is being pointed at them and they're being blamed for everything systemic that has happened in our country, it just shuts them down because a white person might feel like, I'm trying to do the best I can and, and you may feel like the best you can is, I'm tolerant of the other. And the other wants you not to tolerate them, they want you to celebrate mm -hmm. them. 
They want you to co-labor, to be in it with them, right? And so I think what I would want to say to everybody is ask God for the grace to be swift to hear, to listen, to feel. Because if you feel it, if, if you get to the point of feeling someone, first of all, it's going to change the way they feel you, and you'll be able to have real conversations. Because our father means we're brothers and sisters, and I'm committed, I'm committed to us getting there together. I'm committed to us figuring this out, and we will figure it out. God, what Christ did on the cross is definite. It, it absolutely is what he said it is. He died for the sins of this world, the original sins of the world and every sins of the world. So we are going to get through this and we need to act like it. We need to act like it is possible for us to reconcile this. It may be uncomfortable, it may be difficult, it may take time, but we will figure this out because the word says we will. That's right. Well, we're not gonna figure it out alone. Right. John 15, it, I mean, we're, uh, John 17, I mean, the high priestly prayer, I would that they be one as, as I and the Father are one so that the world will know, God, that you sent me. Right. And so, uh, Keith, you talked about it earlier, the most segregated place in America is the church. And it just simply shouldn't be that way because heaven's not gonna be segregated. So, uh, you know, the last thing, just to follow up on what Halloran was, say, was saying, the church has gotta lead this. This is the church's initiative. We are battling sin in the world. We're not battling people. The battle is not against flesh and blood, That's against right. angels, principalities, and rulers of the dark world. That's what we're battling. And so God has given us two responsibilities as a church, vertical relationship with him, love God, love people. But he didn't, he didn't get it. That order is not accidental. You've got to love God. You've got to have a relationship with God. You've got to give your life to God. You've got to have lordship under God before you can love broken people. And so when you love those people, everybody's been quoting Martin Luther King over the last couple of weeks, but Martin Luther King says, we hate each other because we fear each other. Fear each other because we don't know each other. We don't know each other because we don't communicate with each other, and we don't communicate because we are separated. So the action item for the church is not to separate based on class, based on color, based on neighborhood, based on whatever. It's to love people because, as Halloran said before, we're all children of God. All. That's right. All children of God. And so if we're made in his image, then we all have equal value. And so the only way you get to hear uh, each other and understand each other is by spending time together in the church, multicultural, however that sounds, in your neighborhoods, in your schools, in your workplace. Yeah. You got to look around and look at your friends. I, I, just if I could it would put it. Put a title on this message together. It'd be, it'd be. Do you feel me? Do you, do you feel me? We got to feel each other. Racism is a virus designated to destroy every heart in life. It destroys the person that carries it, and it destroys the person it's perpetrated against. And so I grew up in the project. I grew up prejudiced. Uh, I, I didn't. I had no African American friends. Man, it was. I lived in a white world. Uh, and if the, the blacks got together, it was, it was a gang fight. Until that hospital bed, when I surrendered to Jesus, I'm telling you, man, he took that away from me. He just took it away. But, but we got to feel each other. It, you know, I, 
I've, I probably felt you more on that conversation last week on the phone. And so we, we got to do it so we can love each other, so that we can grow together. You know, the 25th anniversary, uh, I said we want to end racism in Tennessee. That was before George Floyd. This is not about George Floyd. This is about Jesus and his people. If, if we're prejudiced, if we limit, then we limit the ministry. Matthew 28, 19. I mean, Jesus said to go into all the cosmos. Hallern, do you think that means everybody? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much everybody. Keith, is that everybody? I mean, we're to go out there. And uh, he said we're to make disciples of all the ethnicities. The Greek word is ethnos. It's everybody. So we're going we're gonna to keep moving. We're going to keep trying to grab, you know, I'm going to keep meeting with the mayor, with the governor, because we're, we're committed. We're just committed to make a difference. And, and, and you guys are, are in the fray. Uh, but you may be, you may be watching. And, and, you know, this, this conversation troubles you. It's, you're, there's a battle going on inside you. It, listen, man, Jesus, in the scripture it says in John 4.20, if you don't love your brother whom you have seen, you can't love God whom you haven't seen. So let me ask you, have you experienced the redemption, the forgiveness Halloran talked about? Those, that death on the cross is for everybody. But we've got to appropriate it. Begins with a conversation or prayer, turning to the Lord. So if you're ready right there where you are, I'm going to just lead us in a simple confessional prayer. If you're ready to say, dear Jesus, right there at home, just come on with me. I know I've sinned. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Make me new. Help me follow you, love you, and love others. In Jesus' name. So listen, if you prayed that prayer with us, do me a favor. You'll see it on your screen at home. Text the word SAVE to that number, or you can click over the communication card. And listen, if you have not been to Next Steps at Faith Promise, we now have it online. Helps you with your next step. It'll be there. There are people in the chat rooms who can talk with you, but it's coming up on your screen right now uh, about uh, what, what, how you can do it online. So if you'll do that, we'll help you again. Text or, or, or whatever you need to do. What we're going to do is, is uh, I was going to pray a prayer of reconciliation. Then I said, Halloran, you do it. And he said, no, Keith, you do it. And so we're going to do it. It's an incredible song that we sing around here about the blessing. And so, Howlin', don't you open it. We're just going to take a couple minutes. Because listen, listen, people are broken. People believe that they can't rise up because they're black or Hispanic or yellow or poor or white or whatever. They believe that they don't have a future. They believe because somebody told them that lie. Here's three guys who did not, who were not born with a silver spoon. Man, we, we, some of us, I know Howler and I did, man, we came up, we came up, you know, and, and God has blessed us. But God can't, come on, God can't bless us if we don't love people or if we believe the lies that people have said about us. So we love you. God wants to do an incredible work. 
So Alan, if you'll start, we'll, we're just going to take a minute and pray that God will heal our land that's on fire, on fire. Let's pray. Um, and for every uh, person out there who, um, who is feeling the pain of this, if, if by the color of your skin you have felt marginalized and reduced, uh, we want you to know that, that God is catching every tear in a bottle. Yes. He hears your cry. He hears your cry. God, you said in Ezekiel, you said, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and I'll clean you up. And then you said, I'll take away your stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. And then you said you put your spirit in us. And I love this part, God. You said you would cause us. So God, I'm asking that, that as we are dealing with the stuff that's on the surface, the racial tension in our country, the unresolved issues that we have in our country, the systemic things that have to change, as we're grappling with the earthly things, I'm asking you to go into the hearts of the people right now on every side of this issue. And I'm asking you to do secret heart transplants, that you would take away the stones and you would replace them with flesh and that your Holy Spirit would rise up and start to cause us. That Holy Spirit would give us ears to listen and hearts to feel which would give us the courage to change. Heavenly Father, I just pray um, that we would emulate you. Lord, we wake up every day and we should wanna be like you. You were a God of empathy, you were a God of compassion but you were also a God of action. And as I've said before, this is the time for the church to, to make a move forward, to be the example. People should look to the church and emulate what they do, not what they say. Lord, help us to see the broken, to see the hurting, to see the downtrodden, to see the disenfranchised. Help us to be burden bearers. Help us to be barrier removers. Help, help us to draw people to you and help us, help us to help this country uh, to recover. Lord, help us to know that we're battling sin. We're not battling people. Um, help us to know that your word says that if we humble ourselves and seek your face, repent and turn, then you will heal our land. There's no government official that will heal our land, Lord. There's no right color that will heal our land, Lord. There's no status or class that will heal our land. It can only be you. And so this is the church's opportunity to draw people to you. Lord, we pray your favor upon us in Jesus' name. Father God, you're incredibly patient and gracious with us. We're grateful. Lord, I just can't help but keep running through my mind, little boys and girls who are colorblind, but who upon their heart, parents, teachers or coaches are writing prejudice. They're marginalizing. 
And then those kids grow up and live that out. Live in a land of 400 years, there's been oppression, there's been slavery, there's been horrible sin. But God, we will be peacemakers. We are ministers of reconciliation. God, we will not sit by silently while any of our brothers and sisters, regardless of what color they are, are marginalized, are pushed down, stuffed under the water. God, you're a God that lifts up. Lord, man, when I was in the depths, Father, you reached down and you pulled me out of the sin pit in the depths. You're a God that lifts up. Father, use us to lift people up. Use us to elevate people. Use us to build relationships. Use us, God, to have conversations that are uncomfortable, but growth is not easy and it's going to be uncomfortable. And God, we have faith promise and we want to lead, Lord. We want to be people that love everybody, rich and poor, red, yellow, black and white. They are precious in your sight. I thank you for these men for what they represent in this community. Thank you for their friendship. I thank you that They've, they've weathered storms and they are just men who want to carry forth the cross. So God, across all the homes this weekend, would you break the barriers that divide us? The kingdom standing against, against itself cannot stand. The devil is the father of division, of racism, of injustice. We speak against it in the strong name of Jesus we will rise up. We, Whether it's uncomfortable or people don't like us or people leave the church over it, God, we, we want to finish this race and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And it won't be if we don't surrender up our prejudices, our preconceived notions, and see people like you do. Hurting, struggling, People at home, they're broke because they haven't been able to work. Family members that are at odds. Families that are breaking up. Kids that are AWOL. Folks that are struggling with health, emotional issues, loneliness. God, use us to be your hands and feet to make a difference. Use us, God, to be a blessing to a world that needs you.